What is going on? Welcome back to the Macram Podcast. I'm here with my wife, Shayna, once again. We are, remember, you're on audio too. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> she waved at the camera. Um, today, we are answering some questions that we put out uh, on Instagram a few weeks ago. We, it took us a little while to get around to doing this podcast, but nonetheless, here we are. So for those that are unaware, um, Shana and I are expecting our first child here in the next six weeks. Yeah, give or take. Yep. Whenever he decides to show up. Yep. Her due date is February 5th, which is your birthday. Yep. Very exciting. I hope, I secretly hope he comes on my birthday so he can have my birthday. Right. That would be cool, but also very expensive. <laughs> True. Um, so as you can tell by our verbiage, it is a boy mm-hmm. that has been confirmed. Many of you who follow me on Instagram probably already know this. Many of you who follow me on TikTok probably don't. Um, and I don't know about the YouTube people. We haven't talked about it. But uh, today we're answering questions, like I said, and we're going to jump right in. But first, uh, we're going to be answering some extra questions over on Matt Graham Unplugged, which is the premium podcast that comes out every single week, which is either an extension of this episode or its own separate episode. So be sure to check it out. We'll be answering questions such as what did we name him? Why did we name him what we named him? Uh, What are our thoughts on homeschooling versus public school uh, vaccines and some of the more controversial and and juicier topics. So head over there to notmattgram.com slash unplugged to engage with that podcast and and, uh, soak up all the content. So without further ado, let's jump into the first question. All right. Question number one, what was the reaction when I knew she was first pregnant? So, well, we went up there and it's kind of an interesting story, which we'll dive into more on the premium podcast, but uh, we were up in Boston for a funeral and it just so turns out a few days into our trip up there Shana was like I'm definitely pregnant definitely I definitely knew I, I knew a couple days before probably like a day or two before I told him I just intuitively knew I started to get weird like not so much cravings but like I was getting food aversion to things and I was definitely a couple days late which isn't super like off for me but I just had this gut feeling um and then we were being such pansies about it because we had a lot going on where we had a we had a death in the family so we were juggling all kinds of kind of like sad things and then all of a sudden this was like on our plate um and we were being such babies about like officially going to get a test to like know the answer because we were just so like oh my god is this really happening so we went to the grocery store left the grocery store and stood in the aisle and said do we go get a test too and we were like no then we left the grocery store and right next door was a Walgreens and we looked at each other and we were like, we need to go get a test. So we left the grocery store and did a U-turn and went right into Walgreens. And then I just stood at the aisle and looked at all the options and I was like, which one do I get? So naturally I texted my best friend. She told me which one to get. And then we took a test um, back at his grandparents' house when we had the whole family there because it was, um, it, like I said, it was like a very family-oriented weekend. It was and then, Father's Day. It was. It actually, it was Father's Day. It was that Sunday. Yep. So ironically enough, the tests take, you know, they take a, a couple minutes. They're not super instant. So I took the test and then we go into our bedroom and I put it on the, the little nightstand while I went to go hang up my jacket. 
And as soon as Matt just happened to look over it while I was in, look over at it while I was in the closet and he goes, holy crap, Shana, it says that you're pregnant. And I was like, I knew I was like, I wholeheartedly knew, but like seeing the words on the test that said, I think it said, yes, it said, yes. Yeah. It didn't say pregnant or not pregnant, but yeah, his, his reaction was like total his face was just he was so excited i have a funny picture of you like you're uh, we're just I, like i can throw it up yeah, on the screen we'll, we'll blip it up there but it was it was fun for me i knew so like the shock of it wasn't as intense but for him to like see the words like he was like holy shit so it was really fun was yeah fun i mean moment. i've been i've been waiting to have kids for quite a while as if you listen to the first episode with her uh we discussed that i don't know if it was the first or second episode where we discussed that but i've been very pro having kids for a very long time. And so, you know, as soon as we got married is when I started trying. It's not when you started trying, but Mm -hmm. um, basically we kind of got to a point where we were like, okay, well, you know, it's been a few months like that. Let's like actually give it a shot. And so lo and behold, um, it happened. And here we are seven, eight months later and he is due in February and yep, just a couple of weeks. We're I, so excited to meet I him. I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I that's just uh, there's not many words to describe my excitement, but it, it I hope I, I imagine it's everything that I that I've an- anticipated and, and based off the reviews of parenthood that I've gotten from other parents, uh, it is. And so I'm looking forward to it. It's not going to be easy, but um, it's going to be incredibly rewarding. And I'm already just so impatient. Yeah, we're ready. I don't want. It's one of those like double-edged swords because you don't want to, you don't want to wish time away because I think as all parents know and really all of us realize how quickly time passes. So I'm like, you know, I feel his kicks and you know he's growing so much and it's so special. But like part of us is just like we just want to unzip my belly and just pull him out. Like we're just ready to meet him and then you know we're gonna look back in six months and be like, I miss those days so I could feel his kicks. So I'm trying. We're trying to be like patient and just like enjoy each moment because we know how quickly it's gonna go by. But. Yeah. And I do this thing to like put time in perspective, which she doesn't really understand. But what I do is we have, okay, we have six weeks left until the due date. What were we doing six weeks ago? Yeah. And that kind of puts it into perspective as to how quickly that time can go by. Uh, you know, and, and, and like I said, you don't, or like she said, you don't want to wish time away or wish time would go faster because time is our most valuable asset. But at the same time, I, I'm very excited to be a father and and do the father thing and and walk our fifteen hundred dollar stroller around because that <laughs> because that was totally necessary. It's gonna grow with the family, okay? It was okay. a one time purchase. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not naming the name because we're not sponsored by them. <laughs> so maybe one day we will be, and we'll, and be I'll epic. let you know what stroller it is. But in any event, yeah, my ex, my reaction was uh, very excited. I was not. I didn't have the, oh my God, what are we going to do? Yeah. It's like, I, I'm, I'm so happy about this. I don't care what it takes. We'll figure like, and we weren't even in a bad position, but, but still you have those thoughts of like, you know, can we do it? What, you know, you have that excitement, but also that, that nervousness that pairs with it of like the potential things that could happen. And I certainly, you know, have those and I have things that concern me, which I think is actually question number two, but I'm not doubting our capacity to put ourselves in the best position to give this kid the best life possible, uh, in any 
stretch of the imagination. I think that we are fully capable. When I see some of the people that are parents in the world and have kids that manage to do all right, uh, I'm, I'm confident that we'll be able to, we'll be able to do okay too. Yeah. We're very fortunate and we have a good village around us. So yeah, we're excited. Very excited. So question number two, what's one thing that you're excited about and one thing that you're nervous about? Just one of each. Just one of each. Um, I guess I'll start. One thing that I'm excited about is teaching him things. Uh, if you've, if, you're so good at that stuff yeah, with kids. A- anytime I'm around kids, especially when they're in that fun age where they start to learn stuff and start to understand stuff, uh, that's where I have the most fun. I just like teaching people things. I like teaching. I like teaching kids how to do stuff. Like you know, um, your brother's stepdaughter was here seven years old and we were out in the garage yeah lifting for, weights like and, time went by and we're like where's matt and dahlia and they were gone for hours like he's in here with her teaching her how to edit video and sitting around the camera and having her film stuff and teaching her how to do deadlifts and she was just she's like a sponge she just wants to learn it all and he just loves that he loves teaching he slows things down he has like crazy patience to be able to just I think your skill with kids is you don't treat them like they're little kids. You know, you, you treat them like they're functioning humans that can actually absorb information and you don't baby them so much. So I think they gravitate to him a lot and he has that patience and that fun side to him. So yeah, he's I, really good at that. I really enjoy the learning process and I like, I like watching kids go through the learning process and try something and fail and, you know, try, figure it out, give it another try, figure it out and, and, you know, giving them little tips on things and seeing their sponge brains just absorb it super quickly. And, and then the excitement of when they do get it, right. it's just like, it's, the best it's just thing. like, it's like instant. It's just, you get to watch it in real time, which is, I think is really cool. Right. And you can see their minds work and they're like, especially like the really curious kids, like they, they, you can just see the gears turning when you tell them something and when you teach them something and when they're trying to figure something out. And I think that's the coolest thing. So having a son, especially to where, you know, I'm going to teach him all of the things that I know how to do. Uh, I, I'm super excited for that. And that to me is the most, the most uh, exciting part of fatherhood uh, because it's just, it's just, I get to do that full time. You know, I get to, I get to teach my little person how to, how to do cool stuff. Uh, you know, best friend for life. Exactly. Little buddy. It'll be so, fun. so what's the, what's something you're excited about? I definitely think to piggyback off that I'm I'm very excited to just start this new adventure with him. Like I think it's I think we've really done like an amazing job of getting our relationship to where it's at and it was a long it was a long haul. If you don't know the story, feel free to zip back and watch our first couple of podcasts cuz we go over it all. Episode 3. Yeah. Um and so I think we're just so happy with where we are with, with, with within ourselves that we're just so ready to like take on the next thing. And I think um, it'll be a challenge. I think it'll be a huge adjustment as it always, as everyone says it is. But I think becoming parents with him is, is just something that I'm really excited. I'm really excited for and just... Uh, just seeing you be a dad, I'm excited about. And then just all the, the fun new things that we get to do with a little kid, a little baby. Like, you know, we live 30 minutes from Disney. Just like seeing things through his eyes would just be so fun. So I'm excited. I'm excited for those things. And then the the the, the soonest thing I'm most excited for is just like obviously holding him for the first time. But like that little newborn scrunch 
you don't know what I'm talking about, like when babies are born and they're so little and tiny, they have, they're just stuck in their little newborn fetal position. And it's just like the cutest little thing in the world to me. So I'm excited for those little things, but yeah, I, I think that this child is going to bring out much more of like the kid side of me that you don't see too much of like, yeah, I'm silly. We're silly and goofy with each other, but like, it's just going to go to another level with a child, you know, yeah. like it'll be fun. It'll be a, it'll be a whole new side that we get to kind of meet of one another and just oh, yeah. navigate. And I think we're such a good team as it is. So I'm really excited to go through the highs and the lows, honestly, because that's what you where you grow. But speaking I'm excited about it, speaking of lows, what is one thing that you're uh, nervous about? I'll have you go first on this one. Um, I think as far as like a, from a parent perspective, um, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm very, the type of person that I am, I know I'm going to have to make adjustments to who I am as a core, a core human being to make parenthood work better and not stress myself out over the little things. Like, for example, I'm super OCD, like I'm super like want efficiency and I want things to work out the way that we plan them to and all that. I'm not so much a type A, but I'm very much so like, I You're like very organized. You're just a very organized person yeah. who likes things to be in their place. And when you have a child, uh, things do not go in their place. <laughs> right. And even beyond like the mess or whatever is just like the efficiency of how we do things. And like, you know, the process of how you make your coffee in the morning, like do it as efficiently as fit as efficiently as possible. So for me, it's like, I'm, and it's not that I'm not looking forward to it, but I know it's going to be a challenge for me is to like slow down a little bit and just like have the patience and not worry if like the laundry is piled up for a little bit and not worry if, you know, you're, you're just the little things, you know, those, those sorts of things. I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm not worried about it, but I know it's something that I'm going to have to like really be cautious of and adjust. Um, and then I think the, the obvious answer is there's just the navigating the never ending worry about your children. You know, like they just that just that's your new mind. Like the minute we found out we were pregnant, like that's when it starts. So you just have that piece of your brain that's like the what if brain, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? So I think as that's just like that perpetual worry as a parent that you just kind of have to navigate. So those are two things that I'm anticipating will be an adjustment for me. But since I'm aware of them, I'm hoping it won't be as bad. But uh, and I'll have him to level my brain out because he's he's very he's not emotional. So if I get anxious about those things, he'll just be able to use his logic brain to like reason with me and I'll be, yeah, I'll probably handle it well over time. Yeah. I mean, I certainly share that sentiment in terms of, you know, the what if brain and, and worried about what could happen at every single stage, you know, cause you worry about, you worry about one particular thing happening in the womb and then you're like, well, then there's this thing that could happen, you know, once he's out it never and then ends. once he's five, he could, he could fall off his bike and crack his head open. Right, and then right. it's like, just thinking of all these potential possibilities of things that could go wrong. It, it, it takes a toll on you when you, when you fixate on it a lot. And it's just like anything else, you know, uh, if you, if you have the same sort of anxieties about yourself in terms of, you know, what could happen to you, you know, you have to take the same approach with a child and I'm not, and, and I just want to preface everything that we say that might be construed as advi as advice. We are not parents yet. Yeah. We do not have this child this yet. This is just our approach. This we're, is where our mindsets every, are and what we're, how we're going to move forward. Right. Everything, hopefully. everything that we talk about in terms of like our parenting strategy is a strategy. It is not, 
It is not the gospel. It is not perfect advice. It is not, this is what you should do with your child. It is, this is what we plan to do with our child. And so with all that being said, I want all the parents listening to this that are going to say, oh yeah, I tried that. Oh, I did this or I did that. Good, Good luck. luck. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Oh, just oh, wait till you, you just have wait. The, the just right. wait people are my favorite. Oh, just wait. Oh, just wait. You, you enjoy your alone time now or enjoy going to the bathroom by yourself now. And it's just like the just wait people are, it's kind of heartbreaking because you can just tell they're usually the more stressed out type of person and they view parenthood as kind of like a burden. Yeah. Like I was going to say a burden and I don't want to generalize people because not everyone, people have, in my opinion, most, most people have good intentions. It's just funny. Like when you're, when you become pregnant, everyone has the just wait comments. It's like, what a silly, what a silly way to talk to somebody who's about to start a new chapter in their life. You know? Yeah. I think that people project the, the, obstacles that they failed to overcome in their own situation onto you and say that you're condemned to the same reality. And the, and the, the reason that I had those problems is a, is a problem with parenthood and not a problem with me. And it's the same thing with marriage, right? You have people that are like, Oh, the old ball and chain. I guess you're going to be saying yes, dear, the rest of your life. life. Happy life. We were like, Right. No, that's it's like, not exactly our approach here. That's but not, thank you. Right. Like, exactly. That's not how we operate. I'm not going to be. Doesn't dote, usually work. I'm not, not going to well. dote on you and 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 bend to everything that you say, just as I would expect the same thing from you. And this is just a much broader conversation of people projecting their own problems onto others, as if as if that's the problem with marriage or that's the problem with parenthood. No, the problem is with you and how you chose to navigate your marriage and how you chose to navigate parenthood. And so. With all that being said, everything that we say in terms of our parenting strategy is going to is just is just what we plan to do. And so save your comments, save your <laughs> oh, just wait, just wait till this thing that happened, this very specific thing that happened that didn't happen to you. So therefore you everything you have is easy. No. Just leave it alone. Say congratulations, thumbs up, <laughs> and then we'll move on. Um in any event, uh Something that I'm nervous about, not necessarily nervous about, but just something that's going to be a pain in the ass is dealing with people and dealing with the type of people that we just described, but also the type of people that that would prefer that we parent our child in a particular way that is more conducive to how like they want us to parent our child. And the way we are parenting our child is is that we plan to parent our child is going to be very different than, you know, how the modern day people tend to parent their child, whether they helicopter parent and they, and they let their kid run the show and, you know, what do you want for dinner? And, and uh, like, uh, that was a weird comment, but <laughs> you know how you've articulated it before where, you know, parents will, parents will make six different things for dinner for six different kids. It's like, no, yeah. you're the kid and we're the parent. And, um, uh, of course we'll, we'll dive into that later, but just something that, is going to be a pain that I'm anticipating is people, people wanting us to parent, wanting our kid to be normal and saying, Oh, your kid's not going to be normal because you know, you don't feed him this. Your kid's not going to be normal because you don't throw an iPad in front of him, you know, when he's, when he's screaming or whatever. Just like the never ending opinions and, and unwanted advice that you get, I think just comes with parenthood, that territory, um, which we've learned just through pregnancy. It's funny. Um, but yeah, that'll, that'll be hard. Cause we're definitely going to do things non, I guess, I guess they would be more traditional, but not in today's society. So it'll be tough cause you know, not everyone lives their lives like that. So a lot of people won't understand, but it's not their They don't need to understand. They just need to respect it. And then hopefully over time they'll just know it's for, you know, 
his greater good. Yeah. One of the questions that we got that we'll tap into uh, here at the end of the podcast is how do how are we planning to make sure our child is different from, you know, the 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 Gen Z iPad kid? And uh, that's going to be a conversation that we have later on. So stay tuned. We're going to go into detail, uh, but it, we're going to jump to question number three. And before that, I'm going to pee. Now that my bladder is empty, let's jump into question number three. People always say you have to be mentally prepared to have a kid. How much of that is true? Um, I don't know. The f- I don't. For me, like I was never really ready. It just felt like it was the right thing to do. I think to find ready, you know, like one day I'm like, oh, we got this. Like, let's let's go. Baby, come today. We're good. Like I got. And then the next day I look at him like we made a mistake. I don't we can't do this. Are you sure we can be parents? Like it's just one of those roller coasters, I think, um, which is why I'm I'm excited now because our foundation is so solid that it, it's almost like natural. You know, you date for a long time. This is our story, but we date for a long time and then you know, we're just ready for marriage. Like that feels like it's the next thing to do. So we do that. And then we felt so confident and comfortable in, in that, that position that the next thing felt right, you know, but as far as mentally prepared, I think for me, that fluctuates every day. <laughs> like it, it's always different. Um, so that's how I approach it is just one day at a time. And I think, I think focusing on the foundation and what you're going to bring a child into the world gives me the confidence to know that no matter what my mood is or how I feel that day, I think when I go back to like the reality of where we're starting from, that always grounds me and makes me feel better that we'll have each other to do it. Yeah. The way that I think about it is I think kids, if you're not in the best position possible to have a child already, I think kids put your, put your back against the wall and force you to become ready be, like better than anything else. Yeah. I remember that's exactly what you used to say, like when we first started dating, like not like the first week, but like the first couple, six, seven, eight months, whatever. I remember asking him, like, what would you do if, if, if we got pregnant? And his immediate response, and he is four and a half years younger than me. So when I asked that, I was like, really, like, what would you do? Because <laughs> like, you're younger than me and this is scary. It could happen, you know? And his answer was, I'd go to work. I'd get, a, I'd get another job. Like he, that was his verbatim response was, and it was immediate. He didn't sit and think about it. He didn't say like, hmm, what would I do? I was like, what would you do if I got pregnant? He said, I'd go to work. And I was, I was shocked by that answer because he was 20 at the time and I was just not expecting that at all. So I think that really speaks to the fact that that's still kind of your, your mindset around it is just like, you know, it, it's a huge responsibility, but he's not afraid to like of the task. Like he'll do whatever it takes to, to make it work. And yeah, I was talking to Chris yesterday, Chris Cunningham, shout out to click up. Um, and he, we were talking about having, having kids and, and he was, and I said to him, the reason that I went down this personal development journey was because of the thought of having a kid, Hmm. just the thought of having the kid put, put us here. Right. Well, you had that realization that where you were, if someone gave you all the things you wanted, the house, the marriage, the wife, the child you couldn't keep it because you didn't have the skills to to earn it so what makes you think if it landed in your lap you could you could deserve it one and two maintain it so it's a huge motivator and I think it makes you look internally as well like who am I like am I if the way I'm acting if my child acted this way would I be proud of them you know it really makes you like get very introspective and look at yourself in a different light because you now have two little eyes looking at you all the time You know, even when it comes to like our fitness and what we're putting in our mouths and how long we're on these stupid phones, like it kind of just opens up a whole new avenue 
of like of what you're observing and how you're living your life and it's not just about you anymore it's about someone way more important so it's it's kind of like that's what I mean when I'm excited to take on this new adventure because it's a totally different part of life and I'm just like really looking forward to doing it yeah I mean like I said just the thought of having a kid was motivating to me enough to like put myself in a better position because I knew that at some point that that was going to be the case and I was not in a good position. And again, that was just, uh, that was just me thinking about the concept of having a kid. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when the kid's sitting in front of me, you know, like how much is that going to drive me? So I think, I think, do you need to be mentally prepared to have a kid? I think having a kid and I'm not saying go and have a kid just because you, just because I said this, you know, be, be responsible. But I think putting yourself in a position where your back is against the wall is only going to, if you're the right kind of person is only going to mentally prepare you for life. I think, I don't think you mentally, I don't think you use life to become mentally prepared to have a child. I think, I think kids, I think it can work the other way around where kids mentally prepare you for life because now you have now you have somebody that not only you're responsible for, but you know, you have to ask yourself the questions like she said, you know, is this how I want my son to act? Am I, is, is the way I'm acting how I want my son to act? What kind of example am I setting? Am I being a good provider for this child? What kind of life am I, you know, how many people out there have been complete low lives and then they, they end up having a kid and they become Mr. Family Man. Mm-hmm. Like it's hap- it happens all the time. And so, do you, I wouldn't even know what I would have to do to become mentally prepared to have a child because like she said the level of mental readiness changes day by day For sure. like we don't like there are days where I'm like where, where I I don't want to say mourn but like you know the the days where I could just go like you know hang out with the boys not that I really ever did that but you know, if I wanted to fly up and go hang out with Kyle for a week, you know, like that's kind of off the table right now. And like, does that, does that make me sad? Rarely, but, but still I have certain moments where I'm like, well, there are certain things I can't do now. And like, or at least not do not as easily. And right. You know, and, and that kind of, that kind of sucks. There's but parts of your life that you kind of have to not kiss goodbye, but just, you need to adjust. And it's like, I have those moments all the time. Like, will it just be, Oh, I want to go just sporadically go somewhere or do something. And we just get in the car and do it. You know, we can still do that with a baby, but it's a lot more work. It's a lot more bags. It's a lot more prep and, and you know, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, that's what me- mentally preparing. It's, I think it's, it's different for everybody, but you know, it's every, every day is different. So that's why I think working on your foundation, who you are as a person and what your, what your aim is. Um, cause it's having a child. I mean, it gives you a completely new perspective because it's not about you anymore. You know, for a lot of people improving themselves and, and doing better in life isn't enough for that to do for themselves, but it's enough to do for somebody else. So when you have two little eyes and this little life that you created, you know, no, I don't want to go do this workout, but I have a little boy who's watching his mom. And I think, you know, his mom watching his mom in a garage, sweating, working really hard for 25, 30 minutes is going to teach him, is going to serve him leaps and bounds, you know? So it's, I don't know. I think it's, um, mentally preparing for it is, is kind of the flip flops, but I think it, at the end of the day, it's nothing but a blessing. And I think it's, as long as you take those, 
those challenges and, and aim up with them, I think you really, you really can't go wrong. Yeah, I think that instead of mentally preparing, the only type of preparation that I would look to do uh, is making sure that if a child were to come into my life, would it be a bad situation for the child? Like that would be the, the, the factor that I would consider more than anything else. I, I think that your own personal readiness is probably never going to get to a point where you're like, I'm ready to have a kid right now because eventually, because eventually you're going to have a day where you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. And then it's probably not the best measuring tool to know whether or not you're, right. you're ready to have kids. I think it's, it's look around you. You know, if there was a little baby in front of you right now, like is the person you are, the way you live, the, your environment that you're in, the circle that you operate under or within, you know, are those good conducive things for a baby, for a small a human? Um, I think if the answer is yes to those things, then, you know, have at it. But I think if you're going to be irresponsible about it is when you, you know, have a lot of work to do. And I think bringing a child into the world where you're not even, you can't even take care of yourself, let alone a, a tiny human. That's what I'd probably focus on more if you're questioning having kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, men mentally preparing is not something that I'd be thinking about, but, but every other type of preparing I would be, um, you don't want to, you don't want to set a child up for failure by, by having a child when you can't, when you, when you are not capable of taking care of a child and you're not even capable of taking care of yourself, that is not a good time to have a child. But if you're in a position where you are a good person with good intentions and you're in a financially good position to, yeah, I mean, like at that point, mental preparedness is, is in my opinion, irrelevant. Like if you're at that stage in life, like I feel like we have, I feel like we have an obligation to, you know, reproduce and, and if you're if the if the if the stage is set for that and you're in the position where it's like okay a child wouldn't be the worst thing ever i think that it would probably be a good idea to go for it yeah and i think that's worth noting too that there are there are good people out there who don't have great scenarios going on. They, you know, are living in poverty or having a hard time making ends meet and all of a sudden they find themselves in a scenario where a baby's happening. You know, I think I think it's always it's often under overlooked how much that baby can can influence you in the ways that we've been discussing. You know, I, I have people in my family and in my life who had kids extremely young. We're talking 17, 18 years old. And those babies, they grew up with them. And, you know, and it wasn't it was almost like it forced them to just step up and do the right thing and, and be the person that they, they ultimately needed to be for themselves. But then it was that driving force they needed to, to, to really shape up their lives. And, um, it was a reason for them to do that. So I don't want to, I don't want to paint a picture where if you're not, if you don't have all your ducks in a row, don't you dare have kids. No, but we're, we're talking you know? about like somebody who's not in that position accidentally, yeah, you yeah. know, who's, who's trying to decide when should I start considering this? I think it's, I think it's a better idea than than not to to make sure your ducks are in a row. Yeah. So and and if especially if you're in a relationship like we were married and you know we would I would really say like do you really think we can do that like do you think we'd be because I was always way more on the fence about kids than he was mostly be, I always knew I wanted to have kids but I was very afraid of it so I would ask the questions talk about the scenarios what would you do if this happened how do you feel about this does this make you nervous does this scare you like be transparent and talk about them talk about those scenarios because you're going to face them so you might as well talk about it and then the more you talk about it the more you realize hopefully okay I think we could do this like I think we could we could really make this work so then it kind of makes you excited and it makes your fears lessen and 
and then you just all of a sudden all of a sudden you're eight months pregnant and you're bringing a human into the world and it's nothing but exciting so yeah i say do it we need more babies in the we world we do need more babies in the world that is that is a statistical fact yes we do need more babies in the world so if you're in a position to have a baby and you're thinking about it i say go for it yep question number 4 how many kids are we planning to have? I always say I like the number four, but I also, <clears throat> excuse me, always follow that up with ask me again after one. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, like you could say you could have this picture perfect image in your mind and then you have one and you're like, just kidding. Two's good. Um, but I love the idea of four. I only have a brother. He has two sisters. So we're kind of in the middle there. But um, I love the idea of of a big family about a lot of a lot of siblings and decent age age ranges. And I like, I like that idea, but again, you never know. Uh, I say minimum two, maximum five. Yeah. That's a comfortable. That's probably where I sit because I want, you know, he needs to have a sibling both for our sake and for his. (laughs) Yes. And, um, he, like I like a starting five for a basketball team wouldn't suck either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, between two and five. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's all we need to say for that question. Yep. Okay. Question number five: How will we make time for our relationship? Ninety minutes a week per Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Well, so we do this thing that uh, we've been doing for. A while now. A while We've now. We've good at it. We've like had to have a decent streak going. Yep. So what we do every Sunday is we go to church at 8 a.m. every single Sunday. And then afterwards, we go to the uh, cafe. Would you consider it a cafe? Yeah. Yeah. The cafe that is right around the block, quarter of a mile down the street. Uh, and we spend maybe an hour to 90 minutes there uh, eating our hot honey breakfast sandwiches, which are incredible. Uh and we discuss what's going on for the week. You know, we talk about we talk about things we have planned, things we want to do, things that are things that we have to think about, things that we have to discuss. How are you doing? How am I doing? Stuff like that. And it ensures that we're always on the same page about what's going on in our relationship and what's going on in our life. And um, yeah, so that's not going anywhere. Obviously, he'll be coming with us, but that time is extremely important because otherwise, go ahead. No, that's I was just going to say it. it's, it's important, but it's also extremely intentional. Like it's, you know, it's the weekend. So we always have friends and family over all the time. As soon as Friday night hits, it's, it's like, who's coming over? You know, what are we getting for takeout, whatever. And Sunday mornings is very intentional for us. Like we specifically go to church and we specifically have our date. We tell people they can come meet us if they want, but like, this is the time that we set aside every single week. And I think a lot of couples miss that. I think they think, well, I don't have the time or we have this much, but you have to prioritize it. And the reason is because this is, if you don't, if you don't have these serious conversations and it doesn't have to be serious conversations, but if you don't talk about the dynamics of your life and your relationship and your household, you, you miss the fun because when you start, when you try to have fun, the serious stuff's going to pop up and you, you, you got to handle that stuff first before you can have play and you can actually have a good time together as a couple. So, uh, we're extremely intentional about that time. Um, it will get harder with, with our son here. I think, you know, hope if he's having a bad morning, if we can't make it to church, if we're late, if we don't have the time, he's a, you never know what's going to happen, but we're very, we're very intentional about it. And we know how important it is and how much it's served us since we started doing it. So I think even if Sunday mornings for some reason don't happen for whatever, like what I just mentioned, 
we'll still make it a point, even if it's just coming in here and shutting the door for an hour, you know, and just talking on the couch or sitting outside by the pool and just, and just making sure that we have those conversations because it's just so important. Um, and we will talk about anything from like family drama to like work to what's, what are we doing for the holidays to, you know, this really bothered me the other day or whatever the case. And it's just a really great time to just be with your person and unwind and just talk about the things that you need to talk about because life gets hectic. And as we start adding more kids into the mix, it's going to get even more hectic and they're going to demand more of your time. So starting that habit now is really important. And I really will definitely do whatever it takes to make sure that we carry it into the future. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of a non-negotiable in our life. The, uh, the 90 minutes a week at, uh, at the cafe, I will not dox our location, but, <laughs> um, although I'm sure they'd appreciate a shout out, but maybe one day, maybe one day, but I think of running a marriage or a household or a relationship very much like running a business. And I don't think you would go, you know, months on end without having a meeting and talking about what needs to get talked about and, you know, checking in on where the business is at and making sure that the, the owners of that business or the leaders of that business are, are on the same page about what's going on. And if you do that, it allows for, it, it allows for the, the purest form of just like, uh, execution. You can just focus on doing what you need to do and there's no underlying, tension. There's no underlying, uh, things that need to get talked about. There's no, there's no little problems that have been swept under the rug that, that she's secretly mad at me about, or we're resentful for each other, uh, resentful to each other about anything. It's just that 90 minutes a week to air it out. And we very rarely have problems. And I think this is largely a, a, a part of that, but when you solve problems before they become problems, you don't tend to have very many problems. Mm -hmm. And I think where a lot of couples struggle is that they don't talk about things. They don't, they don't address Sweet things. They, the and they most importantly, they don't humble themselves to their partner. Mm -hmm. It's always me versus you, you versus me. Yeah. You said this, I said that when we sit down and we have a problem, the question is, okay, what's the problem? Not, not what's your problem or what's my problem. What's the problem, right? right? It's, a, it's as if we're sitting here and this is my mouse, right? This, my, our mouse is the problem. We're sitting here staring at the problem being like, how do we get this to go away? Mm -hmm. Right. What's your not, understanding? Not you did this to get this here. And this is, it's, we approach it as a team. We're not looking to win. We're not looking to, you know, outsmart the other person. It's like, we have, we have this problem here. Like, how are we going to address it? And, um, I think, I think it's really important to approach things that way. I think that's how marriages work. You have yeah. to be a team with everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Yeah. We all, we always separate whatever problems we have with each other, uh, as their own entity. Just like we, just like we separate our marriage as its own entity. There's you and there's me. And we are, we are the, we are the founders and, and, and executives of this marriage. And, we care about this marriage and we want to keep this marriage going. We want to, we want this marriage to be as fruitful and thrive and be successful. And that's what we want to do with this marriage. And so what we have to do is agree that that's what we want to do and make sure that when something gets in the way of that happening, we are on the same page that we want that thing to be removed so that we can go back to thriving and going back to succeeding within our marriage. That is a set separate entity that, that is not her or me. Right. And that to me is 
that to me is the approach that has that has allowed us to have so few problems and to, and when we do have problems solve them almost instantly almost instantly yeah we never we rarely ever have problems but when we do it's like in the moment right now like right. we're figuring it out we're not carrying this with us we might need some time to like breathe for a second if it's something that's really heavy but it's it never it very rarely follows the next day ever and i think a point that really triggered this intentional time for us too is is there's a hierarchy that we're operating under and it's it's god marriage children like that's that's the that's the order in which we operate so if you think that you can you know have a strong faith in god or whatever it is that you believe in and skip the marriage portion and have a mess between the two of you and think that you're going to raise a happy healthy family usually doesn't work out that way so we know that like if our foundation between the two of us isn't solid and strong and confident then the chances of us raising kids underneath that marriage or through that marriage successfully is, is, is very unlikely. So that's a huge point of it too, is we know that our future kids can't have the best life possible if mom and dad can't see eye to eye on essentially anything. So we know we're not going to ever let that slip because it's, it's incredibly important. It's just like a business. You know, if you're, if your COO or CEO isn't doing their job, what makes you think the people underneath them are going to be able to function well too, you know? So it's, it's truly as simple as just a hierarchy and you have to, you have to maintain that order. Um, and you have to know the priority in which to do that. So yeah. we know how important it is to keep a healthy, honest, open, intentional marriage. Yeah. And I think that, I think the... And I want our kids to see that. Like, I want our kids to see, like, oh, mom and dad are, this is what they do. Like, they spend time. And I think that's really important to sh- let them see the work it takes, not just, oh, our parents were soulmates and they just had this whimsical relationship. Like, I want them to see that it was work and it was intentional and we worked really hard to show them that and that they can, too, have those things if they're willing to work for it. Yep, exactly. So uh, how will we make time for our relationship? Well, we understand that it is the most important thing. Because if you're going, because how many, how, what is, what is the, what is the most common reason that a, and I'm speculating, I'm not speculating here. I know, I generally know like what the statistics point to, but I can't name numbers right now, but like, what is the, what is the most common, uh, uh, denominator between people that are in prison, broken homes, mm, yeah. parents that are not together. Parents that don't love each other. 50% divorce rate, you know, it's just, you know, you don't want to contribute to that. So you want to do everything you can to not. And I think we, to answer the question bluntly, it's like, how will we prioritize time? Like we just will. Like just like you brush your teeth, just like you make sure your kids get to school on time, just like you prioritize their doctor, you just make it a priority. Like that's just the way it is. It's a decision. Some weeks are easier than others. Um, even if we have to stay up later and we're, our eyes are crossing cause we're so tired, like you just have to put in the work. And if for some reason we like a weekend ago, we couldn't, we couldn't do our, our date, but like we still prioritize that time. Um, so it's, it's really a non-negotiable right. for us. You came up here, you came up here yesterday or no, we, uh, we were outside. That's right. We were we, outside we, we having outside lunch. Outside That's what time. we decided to do it. Like that, that is sacred to us. That time to make sure that we're continuing to be on the same page and that there's nothing that we're not talking about and that we're, we're both moving in the same direction. That, that is the most important thing that we do in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. And most people will think it's going on a date or having lots of sex. It's like, Hey buddy, if you sit down and make sure that thing, you guys are on the same page, more of those things are going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Just saying. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, 
Non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Like, no, it doesn't and, matter and, if we have two kids or five. That's part of our parenting strategy. Mm-hmm. Taking that time to have an intentional marriage and and do and show them what a good marriage looks like is part of our parenting strategy. Mm-hmm. It is just as important as feeding them food. Right. I remember. I don't. I can't remember who it was, but um, someone on Instagram and the reels or something was saying how. You know, their kids were raised knowing like, you know, mommy and daddy, daddy just got home from work. It's adult time. So you guys go play and mommy and daddy are going to be in the kitchen and they're going to have some time before dinner to talk. Like, and that was just, they were like, okay. And that was very normal in their house. Like that was just the way that it was. It was adult time or whatever he called it. So I think, I think again, teaching your kids that, that it's a skill, it's a habit. It's something that you have to practice and work. Um, I don't, I don't think marriage is just... They're not just these soulmate fantasy Nicholas Sparks novel things. Some some are, uh, but you know the good ones take a lot of work. And I think showing your kids is a huge is a is an even greater gift. And I think when you do the work, it's it looks and feels a lot more like a Nicholas Sparks novel yeah. than if you don't. Yeah, it's so true. Cool. Question number six: How did you know that you wanted to raise a child with your spouse? We didn't have any other choice, right? We're yeah, kind of we, we're together. Here we kinda, are. Kind of made a commitment here. Um, well, I think one thing that, that I've always thought about, and I haven't, this isn't not been an intentional thing. It's just something that I have thought about over time. And it's not like I sat there and had the moment of like, uh, let me check to make sure that you check my boxes for having a family. Because when we first started dating, we weren't super sure whether or not we wanted to have kids Mm -mm. until maybe 2021 until I realized the population was declining. And that the reason that Western civilization is failing is because of a lack of families. Until that moment, we were kind of 50-50 on whether or not we wanted to have kids. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I think made you a really good candidate to be the mother of my children um, is the fact that we are compat- we're very compatible. I want to do the things that you don't want to do. I, I don't want to do the things that you want to do. And we just work in tandem really, really well. And you don't mind staying home with the kids and, and, and doing all that and cleaning and organizing and cooking and doing and all the stuff that I hate doing. And I will deal and I'll make sure you never have to think about what our taxes are going to be. And like, that's <laughs> just, and that's just the way our relationship works. And I think that when you have very defined roles like that, it just makes for a very smooth operation. There's no, we're not competing with each other. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to like see who has more authority. It's just like we have this understanding of like, this is how things work. We both like how it works. And so plugging a kid into that seems it like a lot of it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah, like I don't recall ever having this epiphany like, oh my God, I want his babies. Like it's more or less like, I think it all happened once he, once we both started like cleaning up our lives. Like I think I remember a profound moment that I, I do remember is you were you were making a bunch of notes and I remember seeing one where you said it was when you had that kind of epiphany where you were like you know I want to start acting in a way that if that my that I would want my future son to act and that when I realized he made that realization I was like that's a good that's a good person to 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 build a life with and create children with because um, that's that's such a good aim so as soon as he started cleaning up his life and who he was and the man he wanted to be and started acting in such a way that he was aiming for these things. I thought, well, I would love to raise a family with someone like that. And then as soon as we started having more conversations and where we want to go in life, our, our goals and where we want to go and how we're going to get there, it just felt like, well, duh, why wouldn't you bring kids? It almost felt like 
it would be a waste to have such a beautiful life that we want to build and, and aim towards all these amazing things and not create life and bring tiny humans into the picture and bring them with us. So, yeah, I think when we first started dating, it was very much like, eh, I don't know, maybe. And then, you know, as soon as the more we started having the conversations and things started moving towards where they are now, like it got to a point where like, I feel stupid for not doing this five years ago. Yeah. You know? But obviously, like given our situation, it probably would have been irresponsible. Right. But <laughs> it probably would have been irresponsible to have had children, given where I was five years ago. Um, but with all that being said, it just it 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 does make you kick yourself because you're like you know knowing how important it is you know to to bring children into the world and knowing how important it is to be the example of a good family and what that does for society. Like it makes me wish that. Obviously, I didn't go any through, through any of the nonsense that I went through five years ago, but, you know, it just here. Right. And that's why you work so hard on what you do now is because you want to help people get there faster than you did. I mean, we, we could have I don't want to excuse me. I don't want to say we wasted time because our time was our story and that's what was meant for us. But, um, you know, if 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 we could if we can show a 19 year old kid this stuff five years sooner than he learned it. Awesome. You know, I think the sooner you can get to a point in life where you're ready for the, for the big things that matter, which in my, my opinion are. Yeah. I would love to, children and I would family. love to, sorry, I keep interrupting me. Well, you interrupted me. I didn't finish my, do sentence. we need to have a meeting about this? Okay. Um, I would love to see younger people start to have more kids sooner, like in their, in their early twenties. And a lot of people will probably hear that and be like, Oh, kids aren't ready in their early twenties. It's like, well, 50 years ago, they were. 50 years ago, a 21-year-old was much more competent and much more capable than a 35-year-old today. Yeah. And so if we can get back there to where, you know, people are positioned, I would never want an irresponsible person, no matter how old they are, to have a child. I would not want somebody who is unable to take care of themselves to have a child. The 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 it, My statement pre- presupposes that that younger people, ages 20 to 25, are taking care of themselves and putting themselves in a better position and, and working to be the best man or woman that they possibly can be. That, that has to happen first before we start pumping out babies. But I think in the best version of society, you know, our 20 to 25 year olds are some of our most capable human beings that we have in the world. And, and they're the ones facilitating, you know, families and, and, and having children. I think that that's what the best version of society looks like. Um, so I don't think age is a good metric to judge whether or not you should have a kid, unless you're in your mid to late thirties and you start and you can't have kids anymore. Like that's where age really starts to matter. But really what matters is preparedness and competence. And, and like we have an issue with that regardless of age. I know people in their forties that aren't taking care of themselves. And so, you know, if you sit there and say, oh, we don't want the, you know, people have to live their life and whether, well, it doesn't seem to be going too well. You know, people have been finding themselves for decades now and it just seems to end up in a whole bunch of regret so anyway what was the question (laughs) how did you want to know yeah because we like each other cool question number seven (laughs) question number seven what values will you instill in your child that you were not taught i'll take this one yeah um one thing that i was not taught i was taught a lot of the right values i was taught what to believe and 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 I stand by those values today. Here I am, you know, 10 years later since I 
started to abandon those values. And I wish I never had abandoned those values. But the only reason that I abandoned those values was because I was never taught why I should have those values. I was just taught that I should have those values. And that's not good enough for me. And I don't know if I talked about this in a previous podcast, but I was very religious growing up, uh, grew up in a very religious family. And I was just told, you got to go to church. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. And I'm like, why? Why? Well, because you just can't. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's not good. That's not, uh, that's not good enough for me. I need to know why. Like it has to make sense to me in my brain. And then I went down the road of doing all the things that I was told I couldn't do and not doing all the things that I, that I was told that I needed to do. And, uh, it ended me up in a really, really, really bad place where I didn't want to be. And I hated myself and I hated my life. So I figured out at that moment why I should have believed what my parents taught me growing up. Uh, so one thing that I, a rule that I'm making with our kid is that if he asks me the question, why I have to give him a good answer. And if I don't have a good answer, then that's a problem with me. I have to figure out why so I can communicate it to him. He needs to know why just as much as I need to know why. My least favorite thing that parents say is because I said so. And I imagine there's going to be scenarios where you just sometimes you just got to lay your foot down and say, because I'm the parent and you're the kid. And And a lot of the reason why you have to do that sometimes is because the kid can't comprehend why and you explaining it to him doesn't make it any better. And so in moments like that, you just have to do it. But I think that parents don't understand why they instill certain things in their child. And so they just use, because I'm the parent, because I said so, they spam that button over and over again. And their kid never actually is able to understand themselves or understand how the world works. And that was a problem with me. I was just told, this is the way it is. And I'm like, well, there are other people not doing that. And so like, it can't just be the way it is. And then you experience some life and you're like, oh, that kind of is the way it is. And so... I don't know. I just want to be able to explain to our son. I almost said his name, but that's for that's for unplugged. Um, I want to be able to explain to him why I believe what, why we believe as a family what we believe, and give him good reasons that he can understand. And if he can't understand them, well, I'll try to dumb it down some more. But if I, but I just don't want to. I just don't want to rob my kid of that opportunity because. You know, it, it'll avoid a lot of mistakes if he can if he can know what to believe and why to believe it, and and he's confident in that, and so that when the world or his friends or whatever pulls him in another direction, he can he can double down on the fact that no, this is what I believe, this is why I should believe it, and so I'm not going to go do the things that you guys want to do and not have the same regrets and make the same mistakes that you guys are making, and so that to me is super important. And so if he asks why I'm telling him why. That's a good approach to parenthood. What's yours? I don't know. This is tough for me because I was taught a lot of good things growing up. I had amazing parents, really good people. Um, But something that I didn't understand, whether or not I wasn't taught it, I don't exactly know. But I, one thing I didn't understand growing up was how like that just because you're good at like hard work is what gets you to where you want to be and gets you the results that you're looking for so for an example like 
I was a dancer my whole life, a competitive dancer, and I was I was really good at it. Um, but I, I had this really weird insecurity because I was one of those dancers where, you know, my, my dance teacher would say, okay, try this, and I'd try it, and on, like, the first try, I'd get it. And a lot of people had to work really hard to, to do that particular thing, whereas, like, a lot of the time for me, one or two tries, like, I'd, I'd do a pretty dang good job, and it just came really naturally to me. So with that came an insecurity because it almost felt like I didn't deserve the awards that I won or the, th- or the accomplishments that I had. Even when, you know, judges would bring me on stage and, and, and pull me aside and in front of thousands of people and call me out on how beautiful whatever was. I just always had this feeling inside like, oh, that was just luck or they liked my costume or they loved the song I chose or like, you know, I would I would justify my success with something that uh, you know, it wasn't the reason I did well. I did well because I was good at what I was doing. But I want to I wanna teach my kids that they're in control and like their intent, like their hard work is incredibly important and you can achieve whatever you want in life if you're willing to put in the work. Um, some things might come easier. Some things might come a little bit more difficult. But um, I think that you're, you're in control of that where I felt like I was just lucky And I didn't, I never really, not a single person in my life ever said, you know, Shani, you could have done this better, or, you know, you really didn't do that great at this performance, or you really could work harder at this. Like, not a single person ever said that to me. I just had this weird insecurity that, like, I wasn't deserving of the things that I had because I didn't have to work really hard at them. And that sounds like I was lazy, but things just came very easily to me in certain realms of life. So I think if I understood that hard work, is what gets you to those things and those accomplishments, I'd have worked harder and done even better. Like I would have pushed myself more and understood, okay, that triple pirouette came really easily to me. Let's go for four or five. Oh, the five came hard. Well, let's work on five and let's tighten your core and look up ways to do it better and ask your dance teacher this and really push myself because I was always afraid to push that envelope because I was af- I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to do it. And if I couldn't do it, then I sucked. And I didn't understand that, well, you can't do it because you haven't tried hard enough yet. You haven't put the work in yet. So I guess, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but I think I just really want my kids to understand the, con- the true, honest connection of hard work and grit to get them whatever they want in life and that not to ever shortchange themselves and rely on luck or, you know, whatever you think of circumstances. I have three points on that. Because um, I find this interesting because my aunt and I were just having this conversation a few days ago talking about golf. And she was... She and I are very similar in the sense of like, we learn extremely quickly Mm -hmm. and it doesn't take us as much time as it does for other people to learn certain things, most things, right? Like you're talking about how you were naturally gifted at, you know, at specific things. things. But when it comes to math, (laughs) right? Like numbers, Mm -mm. (laughs) right? So when it comes to math, you have certain things that you just don't do. And that's the point is I just thought I was stupid. Like math didn't come easily to me. So I thought I was dumb. Like I just thought, well, my brain can't do that. So that's just the way I am. I'll be in all honors classes and I'll be in the lowest grade math because my brain just doesn't know how to do it. But had I understood, you just need to work harder at it. You just need to study extra hard. You just need to, you know, you don't understand your brain doesn't learn things this way. So you need to kind of word it in this way and then you'll, it'll start to click and you'll get it. So because I didn't understand that correlation of, of hard work and, 
and just understanding how you learn and, and the, uh, the input and the output of all that, I think I, it would have served me so much better. I would have had more confidence to learn the things that I struggled with and to push myself harder versus, uh, I don't know how to do that and it's just the way my brain is and I just get by with what I can do, you know? So I didn't mean to interrupt no, you, but fine. that just made me like, that just made my point clear. Well, and you didn't pursue anything past the point where like as soon as you you've always gravitated towards the things that you want to do and that you excel at right like you which is a totally normal thing by the way like you want to do you want to organize you want to clean you want like if that could be your entire life like you'd be happy with it you know and but but if it was to you know call the you have to insurance yeah. company and figure out why this bill went through. Like, forget it. I'm not doing it. I'll just eat the money. Like it is what it is. Like I just, my brain just goes in complete overdrive. Um, yeah. Like you don't have that. You don't have the thing that I have no. that, which is the more if, you don't understand something, the more fire he has to just figure it out. Like it's a challenge for him. Like even as something like a Disney freaking fast passes, like it's harder to get them. The more he wants to try to get them. Me, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not interested in going through all the stress and the chaos of that. Like have, have at it. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, it's a, I think it, that, that mindset serves you so much better but I in think, life. But I think the combination of both is where you really reach your potential. And this is what I was talking to Auntie Wendy about because she, she excels at golf and she just picks things up and she says, cause she's like, Brett doesn't spend as much time or, or sorry, Brett spends We'll spend all day on the driving range, hitting ball after ball after ball after ball, practicing chipping, practicing chipping, practicing putting. He will practice and practice and practice and practice. And he says to her, he goes, you need to practice more. And she's like, but I don't <laughs> like I don't. And th- but I said to her, I'm like, but what if you did? Right. But what if you did practice as hard as he does with your talent? Exactly. Like, imagine how good you would be if you did that. Yeah. And like. That's what I'm saying. The combination of both is where like you can really reach your potential because like you said, imagine if you had taken dance, if you, imagine if you had my work ethic and your dance ability. Oh, I kick myself for it all the time. Like I think back to like, had I just pushed harder or had the confidence or just went for that extra, you know, trick or routine or whatever. But I can, I can just remember, and this is turning into a weird Shana therapy session. So we're going to cut this in a second, but I can remember like my very first time doing a duet or like a, a, a trio, I was so, or, or, or solo especially, I always did group dances. And then when I turned like 12 or 13, my dance teacher really wanted me to partner up with this girl to do a duo. And I was like, just the two of us. I was like, I'm not doing that. That's so stressful. I've never done that before. That's just the two of us on stage. And I just, the thought of it was like, absolutely not. But my dance teachers were so adamant because they knew how good we were and how amazing we'd be. And my, my parents too, they're like, you should do it. You should do it. They really want you to. And I would get so stressed out and almost angry. Like I would get I would feel like I was getting cornered because anytime someone was telling me about my potential and how good I could be at something, it would stress me out. Cause I'm like, well, I don't, I didn't have that confidence that was like, you're right. I work really hard at this and I put in all this time and I can do this. Like, let's go. And you know, I, I technically like be forced into these scenarios and we'd kill it every single time. Our stuff would always be the best of the best. And it was never a failure on my part, but like, because I lacked that, that confidence and that desire to like push for the next you know, the next level. Um, it definitely was a disservice to me. I didn't understand the connection and whether or not I wasn't taught it or I just didn't believe it. I I don't really know. Like looking back, I, I I don't really know the answer to that, but I definitely want my kids to understand that, that work ethic and that, that determination and grit will get you anything you want in life. Yeah. I I want, I want our son to have, to have the same, I, I say, 
I always say it like this, almost irresponsible level of self-belief yeah. that I have. And the and the and if he's naturally inclined towards something or he's naturally gifted at something, to take that belief and that work ethic and just go. Yeah. Because that's how you become the best in the world at something. Mm-hmm. The relentlessness of it is definitely something that I I I get overwhelmed and blah, and I just you know yeah so that I hope to teach so that so those are the things that we want to instill in our son that we were not taught <laughs> question number eight do you have any fear or guilt about raising a child in the current society and if so how do you deal with it I'll do let you take this one uh, no no absolutely not do I have guilt about the world that he's going to grow up in no. I think that that's how we fix the world. I think that as I alluded to in my short little sentence a few minutes ago, like I think the reason that the world is the way it is, is because we're not taking as much responsibility as we need to be to fix it. And part of that is raising kids. I think that if you want to put a nail in the coffin and say, well, the world is definitely fucked. The way to do that is to let all the worst people in the world have the kids and we don't have any. I think that if you want to if you want to not guarantee that the world goes to shit, you have to put good people in it. And so absolutely do not have a shred of guilt or a shred of worry about the world he's going to grow up in. Do I worry about like what's going to happen in the world and like is the power grid going to get shut down and we're going to have to figure something out like Yes, that's something that I think about a lot. And like, what would we, what would we do in that scenario? But it, do I do I feel guilty that I'm bringing a kid into this world? I think that is part of the solution, which is why I'm so hell bent on having a bunch of kids because, you know that that's part of it. Like, we have to raise the next generation. If we don't raise the next generation of good people that do good things that make the world better. All that's going to be left are the people who don't give a shit. All the people who only want to serve themselves. All the people who think that they're entitled to everything. All the people who are lazy. All the people who say, you know, you do this for me and I do nothing in return. Like, that's what the world's going to be run by. That's going to be the bar. That's going to be the standard. And unless we have children and change that, the world will go to shit. And the world will be worse. And I think the people that don't have kids that could have kids, a lot. I'm not saying every single person that could have kids, can have kids, you know, should have kids. I think that there are certain people in the world who play a much bigger role than having kids. But I think most people who say, oh, I don't want kids, they're probably the type of people that should have kids. And yeah, that's my rant about that. But yeah, no guilt, no nothing. I think that I think that not everyone is is called to have kids. I think that, you know, it's not the only solution, but I think no. it's a disservice to not put good. I mean, and I think people have this doom and gloom view of it. Like, oh, how could you ever bring a child into this world? It's like, it's like if you really zoom out and look at like each generation, like we all have to pay a price for the generation's decisions before us. Like that's just the way that the world works. I mean, even in a family setting, you know, we're all just a product of our parents' successes and failures and we hope to do it better on when it's our turn you know what I mean so I think it's it's kind of a doomy and gloomy way to look at it um I think every every generation is going to have their struggle and I mean look at the generations before us I mean world the, all the world wars and all the horrific things that have happened like it's it's just a product of life unfortunately and unless we have 
unless we have st the good people of the world start creating humans and putting good people back into the earth to make better decisions, to take on these roles that we've royally screwed up and try to do better and learn from our mistakes. Like what's the point of any of it then? If you're not going to try to pass the torch and like to make our kids' lives better so that they can do better than we did, like what's, what's the point? Like why don't we just all it's a wrap. Like, why don't we just, you know, shut the lights now, like, or the curtain now? It's, yeah. it's kind of a, it's kind of a bleak mentality to have. So, but like you said, I mean, there's certainly fears of the future. You can name a hundred of them right now. It's like those for sure. That's a scary thought. Like, you know, so many things could happen in the instability of what we're going through right now, and it's an incredibly interesting time to be living through. But no, I think it's a huge disservice to not put good people back into the world and try to try to make it as best as we uh, the, the best place that we can yeah so i think in closing i would say when somebody would said say to us how could you bring kids into this messed up world my answer would be because i'm trying to make it better we are trying to make it better we're trying to get put good people in the world so it can be less messed up and all you're doing is sitting on your hands waiting for somebody else to solve the problem that's what you're doing Right. So we're going to be out here having kids trying to make the next generation better than we are so that we can live in a better world so that they can live in a better world. And my great, great, great grandchildren can thank us for having our son who had their grandfather or whatever. Mm -hmm. That that's the future that I'm building towards. And you know what? I think we're I don't think we're going to regret it whatsoever. Yeah. I don't think so at all. And I, and that's not to say we're just going to sit back and have kids that they can handle the problems. It's like, no, of course, we're going to do everything we can to make life better for for our kids specifically, but then their their generation. And then you just pass the torch. That's what you do. That's how generations work. That's how the world keeps spinning, you know, to not to not put good people back onto it, into it is just a kind of a bizarre mentality and very illogical in my brain. Yeah. I think I don't have uh, any and I don't want to because I know there are going to be people listening to this who don't have kids who are having kids and a lot of them we know personally who are going to get offended by what I just said but at the end of the day not I, I would be the most ridiculous person to sit here and say every single person should have kids like obviously there are people that should not have kids there are people that can't have kids and you know what we don't need everyone to have kids, but we need more than we have right now. So if you are on the fence, if you're not one of these, you know, hard ass, I'm never having kids, people like think about it, seriously, think about it and think about the fact that you have an opportunity to make the world better just by instilling your beliefs into the next generation, you know, and, and by the way, in whatever capacity, like I, I have an, a fantastic aunt who's, who's never going to have kids, never wanted kids, but she played, she played just as much of a role in my life as anybody else. And so the, the, the important thing that I'm trying to get at is maybe you don't have to, maybe you don't have to create the kids. The point is, is looking at the next generation and being like, how do we, how do we fix their values? How do we point them in the right direction? And a lot of that is going to mean having kids, but there are some people who, who, play that role in other kids' lives. And as long as that's happening in some way, shape, or form, and the next generation is not being taught this 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 religion of pride and self-service and I do whatever I want and, I, and life, life is about me. Like, as long as that's not being passed down to the next generation, cool, don't have kids. But don't, 
don't discourage other people, people from having kids and don't tell people that they're wrong for having kids or that it's selfish to have kids or that how could you bring kids into this world? They're doing more than you are. So, yeah, I think the overall message is whether you can have kids or you don't want kids, I think the correct approach is contributing positively to the next generation. Whether you're actually having children physically yourself or you're an incredible aunt who's like a, a parent figure to said children. I think f nourishing and feeding and growing up our next generation collectively, whether no matter what role you have specifically, is should be the common goal. Not having them and not putting our resources into nourishing that generation is just... A, a, a logic that just doesn't pan out for me. I don't understand. That road seems scary. <laughs> it seems like post-apocalyptic almost. So I think I think the the message here is to is to nourish and contribute to the next generation in every in any way that you f you feel you can, and that you feel is best for you. Yep. So that's that's our answer on that. Last question. Last one. Question number ten. What is your plan on how to raise your kid to not be like the rest of their generation? Well, I think the simple answer is identify the problems of the, of the current generation and do the opposite. Right. So if you don't <laughs> want your kids to, if you don't want your kids to end up like the rest of the generation of the, of their generation, don't do the same things that those parents are doing. It's just like, if you don't want the same outcomes as your friends, well, look at what they're doing and then don't do that. Right. And so, you know, when, when we see parents in the, you might've noticed the thumbnail of this, of this uh, podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, when we see parents with their three-year-old kid with headphones on in the, in the uh, restaurant, and they got an iPad in front of them just so the kid won't lose their shit. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to do that. Even if it means we don't go out and it means that, okay, our son's acting up. He's not gonna. He's not up for it tonight. We're gonna. We're gonna eat in. We're gonna order takeout. We're gonna do something different. Like we're, we will do that before we throw a kid, uh, throw an iPad in our kid's face and say, "Shut up." Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard, and I think I think we live in a world where those distractions and those soothing mechanisms, whether it's you know a, a, an iPad, a, a phone, a whatever. Um, I think it's easier for the parents. I think it serves the parents in that moment. The parents can have a, a break at dinner and just put the headphones on the kids and they can have an hour of, of peace and quiet. I think it ultimately disservices the kids. I think, I think when, when, I mean, I, I remember watching, um, I just couldn't believe it. Like the parents sat down and this was them the whole time. And then they had maybe a nine and a 13 year old at the dinner table with them. And they had their headphones in, they had their iPads and the kids didn't even make eye contact with the waiter. They just sat there. They were old enough to order their food or tell mom and dad what they wanted. Mom and dad ordered all their food for them. And, and the kids never looked up from their iPads the whole time. And I just remember thinking how heartbreaking that, and listen, you don't know people's scenarios. You don't know what's going on. You don't know the details. I'm not making prejudgments, but I just remember thinking like, is this the direction in which our culture and our society is going? Because to me, I'll, I, I just think a lot of these things are serving the parents and they, then they are the, more so than they are the kids. So in my mind, it's like, well, if my kids don't ever have access to an iPad in the car or at the dinner table, then they're not going to know that it's a distraction or something that will soothe them. So why give it to them at all? <laughs> just kind of skip over that. 
Um, and that's, and, and that's, that's going to be hard for us too, because we're on our phones a lot. We, you know, we like to have the TV on. We like to do all these certain things that we're going to need to stop doing because, you know, monkey see, you, you can't be a hypocrite. You can't tell your kids they can't be on their iPads while you're scrolling on your phone for the last 35 minutes. So, um, I think it's going to be, it's certainly going to be hard to go down that road. Um, kind of circling back to what we were answering in the beginning of the podcast about, you know, how we're going to choose to, to parent our kids and it's going to go against the norm. Like there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to do that other people are going to be like, seriously, did you hear that Matt and Shana want? And you know what? That's okay. Like I'd, I'd rather those comments and live with those than the alternative, which would be just giving into what's easier. Raising a brat. Right. Exactly. So I think, I think, um, yeah, I think looking around and seeing all the flaws and the mistakes that parents make now and and you know we're gonna do them too we're, we're not gonna be perfect we're not saying that we're just gonna you know do things better than everybody but there are certainly observations that you make that you understand oh like kids act like this now because this is how we raise them like maybe we won't do that this time like I think we'll take a different approach which will be really hard it's gonna be especially as they get older because you know you can keep a you can keep a three four five six seven year old away from a phone but when they turn 15 it's going to get harder, you know? So it's those challenges I'm willing to take on because they're worth it. I think, I think a lot of the times back to the point I was trying to make is in this culture, there's so much that we just want to, we just want to simplify everything. We just want to make things easy as, as easily as, and, and as simple as we can. But I think at, sorry, my watch is talking to me. We just want to make things as simple and, and as easy as we can. And then at what cost? You know, so that's kind of something that I always want to think about. I would, I would rather my seven-year-old kid be able to look at a waiter in the eye and say, I want chicken fingers, than say, than sit there with their headphones and looking at their iPad and, and not being a contributing member of society. So I think that's going to always be our approach. Yeah, I think that when you look at the kids, of, and I'm, when I mean kids, I mean like 16, 17, 18, 19, when you look at these adults today, uh, these, these well, teenagers, whatever, when you look at them today, you can just see the consequences of the decisions that their parents made. You can see that their parents raised them as if they were just like dealing with a child instead of building a person. And that's something that's an approach that I am intentionally that we are intentionally taking with our son is that we are not we are not just enjoying a child or playing with a child or, or raising a child. We are building a man. Like he is going to be a man so much longer than he's going to be a boy. And so we have to do what is best for the man that is our son and not the boy that is our son. And so like she said, I'd rather put ourselves in a position where our son looks our, looks the waiter in the eye and is able to order his food you know, and say exactly what he wants than us having to do it for him, which means it's going to inconvenience us. It means that we're going to have to say... Hey, insert name here that you can look at, you, that you can hear if you join uh, Macram Unplugged. <laughs> hey, son, you know, you got to do this. You got to do this. And it, like, it just, it's just going to inconvenience us a lot more. And we're going to have to do a lot of the work up front. But it's suffer now or suffer later, just like everything else. So you can either suffer now and make your life extremely inconvenient, but get the reward on the back end when you raise somebody that is, that is, exactly who, maybe not exactly who you want them to be, but a, a much cl miles closer to where you prefer them to be than some of these other 
kids that you see walking around the world acting entitled and not knowing how to do anything, not knowing how to look people in the eye or shake a hand or have a conversation or order their food. I just saw like a 20 something year old at Chipotle or whatever. And their mother was, answer, was, yeah. was ordering yeah. their burrito. It's like the kid was fully capable. The kid was, you know, whatever, talking on the phone, having conversations with somebody like, and the mother was ordering the food. What do you want? What do you want? It's like have the kid order it. Yes, it might take a little bit longer. Yes, he might have to think about it. Yes, you're going to get get out there a little, you know, slower than you would otherwise, but at the end of the day, you are building a an adult. You are building a person. And so, you cannot think about what is most expedient in the moment. You have to think about what are the consequences or or what what is the what is the long-term outcome of me doing this thing. And so that's what I, that's what we will be constantly thinking about. You know, like I'm sure that I'm sure a very common phrase in our house will be, who are we building? What kind of man are we building with this? You know, now or later, you know, we deal with the right. pain now or deal with it when he's 25 and awkward, you know? And I think so, I, I always like to get to the root cause of issues with, with everything. So I look at the world and I see these kids and I'm like, what is the root? Like, why are, why are they all kind of ending up similar? Why are they all kind of unable to look each other in the eye and have these kind con- and I really think like she said, it is because the parents want to do what is most convenient to them in the moment. And I get it. Life is hard. Life is stressful. You know, it's hard to balance all these things. But at the end of the day, the rest of your life is going to be so much easier if you just do the work up front now and deal with the, with the, with the uh, inconvenience now. It's going to be so much more convenient later when you're not having to order your kids food or call to get them, a, get them an oil change or show them how to change a tire when they're 40. So, like... Yeah, I think it's it's it'll be hard because it won't be hard in the sense for us because we'll understand the bigger picture. It'll be hard as they get older and other people come into their lives and they, you know, even, you know, even if friends or family don't agree or it's agree is a strong word. It's not their place to agree. It's not their child until they're 18. They don't really have a say. But um, I think it'll be harder like as they as they get older and stuff like that. But I think you just do your kids a major disservice. Um, when you don't put in that extra work and you just, like Matt said, you have to think of it as you're, you're raising a, a, a future adult that's going to contribute to society. And what kind of adult do you want them to be? Um, and you got to do, you got to do whatever it takes to, to get them there. That's the, that's the sacrifice. But I think that's, that's kind of the fun of it too. I think it's, you know, you gotta, if you, if you don't put in the work in, in, in something like this, then I don't know, like. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a no brainer to me. It's going to be hard. And that's kind of what I was saying in the beginning. Like I know myself and I'm going to have to slow down like immensely to do those things to, you know, like I follow, um, a first form athlete. Her name's Laura, Laura Novotny, and she's an amazing mom. And she's so good at slowing her day down and letting her two year old help. Like her two year old little girl can make her own eggs. Like she can, she stands up by the stove with her little, you know, the little toddler stool thing that goes against the counter and Laura's there the whole time watching her. And she, this little, she's two, she's two years old and she can flip her own omelet and she can make her own eggs all because Laura spent so much time, you know, spending the mornings with Mia and showing her how to crack an egg and letting her make a mess and having the egg fall in between the grates and into the oven and causing an enormous mess. And, you know, she just had the patience to slow down and like teach her kids you know, how to contribute, whether it's something as little as making their eggs for, for, for breakfast or making Laura's protein coffee in the morning, you know, like Mia will, will learn how to 
press the espresso machine and she watches it and she feels so happy because she helps mom make her coffee. And even though she spilled half the scoop of protein all over the counter and wasted $6.27 worth of quality, pro you just have to, you have to kind of change your mindset and think, I could have done this a lot faster 20 minutes ago, but, or think of the lessons that this is teaching my, my kid right now. Like that, that's the difference to me. It's like, I will sacrifice 20 minutes all day long if I can give my kids the confidence and the skill set to, to do simple things in life that will just only exponentially grow from there. So right. that's kind of the mindset I hope to hope to always have, or at least have, but likely need to be reminded of quite often. <laughs> and think about like, think about the butterfly effect of just doing that. It's like now, like for that little girl, contributing becomes the norm. Doing something herself becomes the norm. Trying things and failing becomes the norm. And as she, as she starts to develop further, the weight of, of teaching her stuff, the weight of having to slow her day down, the weight of, of you know, of, of instilling these things into this kid is going to be diminished slowly over time. Whereas you have these parents who just throw the iPad in front while they make the eggs, like their kid does not, their, their kid develops physically, but, but that doesn't make their parents life any, any easier when they're 20 years old or they're four years old, they're still doing the same thing. Throw the iPad in front and I'll make the eggs. Nothing changes versus by the time that kid's 12, the kid will be making breakfast for the whole family and you get to sit there. It's like, what bar, what, what deal do you want? Which, which, which version of reality do you want? Do you want the one where you put the work in first and then it starts to pay off or the one where you're just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and nothing changes and nobody gets better. Yeah. And I think, I think that ties in a lot too. I think something with our generation, people, people, things are very high stress right now and it's, it's hard to get by and the, the, we can talk politics and the whole, whole nine and all that. But I think, I think it's it's robbed us of the ability to slow down. I think because people are so in a rush to get to the next place and and, and get to work and and you know get the kids off in time and or whatever the case may be. So I think um, a lot of it's mindset too. A lot of it is you know you have to really train yourself to slow down and 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 look at what these moments are teaching your kids. Um, and I think we've been robbed of that with the kind of society that we live in now. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to sit here and preach and say, these parents need to just take a chill pill. It's, it's en <laughs> it is so enormously stressful, especially when you have multiple kids and there's so much going on. Um, but I, I wish and hope that people can start to slow down a little bit and just take in all these moments. And, um, because I like what, um, Alex Ramosi said, he said, you know, when you're in the thick of it and you're, you're putting your kids down for, for bed and, you know, you're exhausted and you just want them to go to sleep and you're so frustrated, you have to pause and think of yourself as an 80-year-old man or woman and think how, what you would give to be back in that 27-year-old's body putting his fussy two-year-old boy to sleep. Like, you would give anything to have that moment back. So I think harboring those feelings and those thoughts when you're in the thick of horrible times... Um, and cause his parenthood is, is no joke. It is the most consuming life altering thing you will ever do. And it, there's no clock in clock out. It's, it's a never ending game. Um, but I think being patient with yourself and looking at the big picture and constantly reminding yourself of, of what the most important thing is and what future you and your future kids will thank you for the most, I think is the, the lens in which I hope to operate under. So I don't remember what the question was, but that's my answer to it. <laughs> There we go. <laughs>
All right. Well, I think that's a great way to close this out. Um, we're going to be jumping to Matt Graham Unplugged. So if you're a member, we'll see you over on the website, which is notmattgram.com slash unplugged. We're going to be jumping into a few more questions that are some of the juicier topics. Uh, but in any event, I think that was a good one. Yeah, I think we did great. All right. Awkward high five. For the, for the non-members who aren't cool enough, <laughs> well, we'll see you in the next podcast. Bye, guys.